So as reverence to the Word of God, may I invite you to please stand and we'll be reading from the first letter of um, John chapter 4 verses 1 to 21 and I'll be reading from the ESV. And I'll be flashing them on the screen for those of you online, you could read with us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God who abides in him and he in God, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is he so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love, will love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, cannot love God from him whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. These are the words of the Lord. May he be worshipped and praised by his reading. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you will be with us as we look, study, and into these words, Lord God, may you speak mightily in our hearts. Father, be with your people today as we dive, as we savor your word today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's all be seated.
I thank everyone for indulging us. Uh, we had a short break, went to the Philippines, and we were able to reconnect with family and friends, particularly those friends and relatives of ours whose uh, loved ones died during the COVID-19. So if you have an opportunity to visit and to, especially now that our uh, restrictions have eased, please do so. It is a wonderful time uh, to be together. So thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be with my family and to be with my friends back home. And uh, thank you for this congregation for supporting us along the way. Uh, we owe it all to you. So may the Lord be worshiped and praised for that wonderful time as well. And uh, I hope you will also have that time. Um, uh, I've been listening as well in our sermon, uh, albeit online. Um, I really choose not to be invited in any uh, fellowship or church back home because I wanted to attend with you here and I don't want to miss a sermon. And uh, last week I was particularly heartened by what Pastor Well had um, shared with us last Sunday. As you know, now we are in our series in the uh, epistle of John, 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John on disciple and discipleship, uh, doing the way of love. And last week, Pastor Well shared with us that to love one another is a non-negotiable instruction. That is something that we could not compromise. It's a non-negotiable instruction. I like that word. It's non-negotiable. And he said that to love one another is the evidence of our new life. That is true. And to love one another must be expressed with action. You cannot just say someone that you love someone. That could just be empty words, right? But to love someone is to express that with tangible proof, and that is through our actions. And lastly, and I particularly uh, was touched by this, to love one another is to be compelled by the love of Christ. And I particularly like what Pastor Well shared with us. We love someone not because they're just likable, not just because they are kind to us. We love someone because our primary motivation, our primary reason why we love someone is because we love Christ. Because if that is not our primary reason, there are so many things and so many reasons why we ought not to love one another. There are more reasons for us not to love one another. But because of Jesus Christ, that reason alone will compel us, will beautifully compel us to love one another. That reason alone should be the sole reason why we should love one another. And of course, there's so many reasons why we should love one another. And I think Pastor Well is just right. The love of Christ to that person and to us should be the primary motivation why we should love one another. And uh, today, um, we will continue that discussion. But today, um, I will lead you to um, this uh, truth and this thought about testing, discerning, and knowing as a title of our sermon. We are in the days that we need careful discernment. We need to test every spirit. We need to discern every action. We need to know what God is asking us to do. We need to know the way of God. Um, a sister texted me, and uh, for those of you who are following the news 
particularly in the United States, we, they woke up in a very jubilant news that the United States Supreme Court had overturned the uh, 49, 50-year-old decision on Roe versus Wade. And for those of you who may not be know, uh, Roe versus Wade is a U.S. Supreme Court decision they made in 1973 uh, legalizing or declaring that abortion in every state is constitutional, meaning it's not illegal. It's perfectly within the ambit of their charter. It's constitutional. It has become a controversy since then. 49 years, it's still be, it's, it, it's been a controversy. Until 2022, uh, in a case of Dobbs versus Jackson, the U.S. Supreme Court voting six in favor of declaring it unconstitutional and three against it, they now declared that Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. And this is the language of the U.S. Supreme Court. They made a judgment in error. So if these intelligent people, bright legal minds in the United States, the creme de la creme minds, legal minds of the United States, 49 years ago had made judgment in error, I think it is just but right for us to have a discerning mind to test, to know how to test things, and to know the way things should be. For almost 50 years, they lived, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, that is not my language, an error of judgment. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, as they abandoned this ruling. Of course, the conservatives in America, the pro-life in America, rejoices in that. I personally welcome that. Obviously, I am pro-life. But that is not just one side. There's another side of the coin. The pro-choice, the pro-choice women in America are not rejoicing over it. They think it's an encroachment to their privacy and personal right as a woman. And so many not only in the U.S., in Singapore, even in the Philippines. There are so many laws that we need to discern. There are so many beliefs, there are so many fads, there are so many actions in the secular world, even in the church, that we need to test, we need to discern, and we need to know. If these people, whom we consider very intelligent, would later on reverse themselves, I think... There's no greater time than this for us to have a heart that's so discerning, a mind that's able to test, and a life that's able to know where God is leading us to. And so that leads me to my first point. As the first uh, verse of chapter 4 of the book of, of, the, of the epistle, according to John, says, the first thing here is to test every spirit. Now, when we look into the epistle of First uh, John chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle is calling us to test every spirit, to test every belief. And let me read to you, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, 
as you know, the epistle of John was written to a church that is facing controversy, not only with the relationship with one another, but also doctrinally. One aspect of uh, the doctrinal error that they were facing, as we have mentioned in the previous sermons, is dualism. Alongside with it is that it was uh, a prevailing teaching that time that encroached in the church is that they teach some factions inside the church, teach, uh, taught that Jesus actually left his humanity. He is not really from God. He is not really God. And that teaching lingered until, of course, it was finally settled in the Council of Chalcedon. And of course, you know, even at this time, there are still many teachings, even in our country, that, that teaches that Jesus Christ is not God, he's just a human being. Now, particularly, John wanted to address that issue. That issue needs to be addressed. And John is saying to test every spirit. And the first thing to test is to test whether your belief is in accordance to what that they're teaching. And he said, this is the test. We'll be reading from verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not, Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, why does John need to address that. That needs to be addressed because so much is at stake. So much is at stake with that. There are consequential beliefs that would emanate from that. So many consequential beliefs, so many consequential doctrine will come out from that if you believe that Jesus Christ isn't from God or He did not come to the flesh. And this is what one reason why. To believe that Jesus did not come to the flesh from being fully and truly God and embrace full humanity is a rejection of God's love and His sacrifice. The reason why Jesus came into the flesh is to offer His life directed motivated by His love and His obedience to the Father. And so therefore, to deny this truth is to deny the love of Jesus. So, when John said that you need to test every spirit, you need to test whether they confess that Jesus belongs to God, He is God, and He is truly God, fully God and fully human, to deny that, is a rejection of Jesus. It's a rejection of the love of Christ. There's more than what it meets the eye on this denial. Because Jesus came into the flesh in, from fully God and became fully human because of this reason, because of love. When we read the earlier chapters or the entire epistle of John, it's all about love. And this admonition this admonition to test every spirit is not divorced from that main thesis statement of love. Because truly, the reason why, of many reasons why Jesus came into the flesh is because of His love. 
John 3.16, you know that already. We've been asked to recite it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son. So, Jesus came from the Father. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's one of the many reasons, one primary reason why Jesus came into the flesh is for God to demonstrate His love for us. And look how 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25 captured that very beautifully. And I will read it to you. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So, my dear brothers and sisters, we are called to test every belief, to test whether or not it confesses that Jesus came to the flesh. And by, by, by saying that, that we need to test whether they confess that Jesus came to the flesh, I also mean everything that it represents. We call this the incarnation of God. To deny this truth is to deny the incarnation of God. What does that action represent? What does the incarnation of God represent? For me, along many reasons, is this. Incarnational or God raising humanity is a transformational act of God, of His love to us. Transformational. In other words, when we test things, does it conform to the transformational, incarnational truth about God? Let me concretize the point. If we are testing something, will this change, will this notion, will this belief bring about or bring glory to God? Will this change of life, transformation in the society, in my belief, will that bring glory to God? Will this bring about holiness, change, or make the incarnational nature of God a reality in my life? Will this build up the body of Christ to which Jesus died for? Will it disciple people to God? Will, it, will that make people closer to God? Is this the way of love? Because that's precisely why Jesus came to die. Because of love. So is this the way of love? So whenever you are faced with a belief, a notion, a truth, the first test that we need to do to test every spirit is, is this the way of love? As the coming of the flesh of Jesus the Son of God is motivated by His love and His will. Will it lead people to obedience to Christ? The way of love. And that would lead me to this. I'll go back to the decision in Roe versus Wade. We are all rejoicing. No, no, the people in America are rejoicing. I welcome that personally. I welcome that. But our jubilant stand on Roe versus Wade, now that it's been overturned by Dobbs versus 
person is in a skin on our teeth. You know why? Because while we're rejoicing with that, now that the laws will now make practically abortion illegal in the U.S., we rejoice over that. Don't get me wrong. How are we going to welcome people who were victims of rape? How are we going to welcome people who are victims of incest? How are we going to open our churches to tell them that they are loved by God, that there is hope for them? No, many churches are so jubilant about that, but they have not prepared for a greater call of God. What is the greater call of God? The greater call of God is to prepare the church for these people who will now will not be able to make an abortion because that's no longer available to them and open the gates of the church for them to say, you have a space here inside us. That's what should we be preparing for. We are jubilant about that. I am personally jubilant about that. But I would like to address particularly our brothers in the United States. Of course, here in this country, in some other countries, abortion is already perfectly legal. But that is not the case. That's not a skin to our teeth. How do you now prepare the church for the great harvest? Andaling sabihin, Yehey, Roe versus Wade is overturned. Hallelujah! Have you prepared the church for the people who will come, for those people who want to seek abortion? So, my dear brothers and sisters, that leads me to my second point. We now need to discern every action. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, our call is a call to love. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, sisters even if there will be laws outlawing abortion, there will still be women who will seek it. But this is my question. How do we show them the way of God? How do we show these people the love of God? Because if we read chapter 7, verse 9, this is what we are called to do as people of God. Beloved, let us love one another. For the love is from God, and whoever loves God and knows God. And anyone who does, who does not know God. Meaning this is a true test. We can rejoice over a statute. We can rejoice over a Supreme Court ruling. But if we have failed to love these people that needs the grace and the mercy of God, we are not from God. We will just rejoice over a statute. We are just perhaps rejoicing in our political or our legal belief or our legal stand. But without loving God, we have failed. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, that is the call. That is the call of God. You know, the battle is not just in court. The battle is not just in parliament. You cannot convert people, whether they belong to the rainbow society, by just telling them that they're outlawed. The way to reach these people is to show them the love of Christ. To be a good neighbor to them. To open your homes when someone needs one. 
we cannot convert people by just changing human laws, by overturning Roe versus Wade, by repealing one law. We cannot change the world that way. We cannot convert people that way. We convert people when we show them the love of Christ. You know, some people will teach them to say this. You know, you, this, this, this is how you were born. You need to act that way. This is your identity. This is your sexuality. You need to act that way. This is what we offer. Your sexuality, your past, no matter who you are, that does not define you. Your identity is deeply rooted in Christ. That is our offer. We have a better alternative. But are we going to show that to the world? We thought that Roe versus Wade will be the hill on which we'll all die on. Or perhaps they thought, no. What do we do next? How do we show to the people in verse 10 and 12, how do we show these people that the love of God is perfected in us. So what do we do next? Even if we, there's now a uh, uh, conversation on repealing a penal act in Singapore, what do we do next? How do we deal that as a people of God? How do we show to these people that we do not agree with, that we still love them? Because if we do not love them, if we cannot show them love, we are not from God. I did not say that. The Bible said that. If you cannot love, you are not from God. So what do we do next? How do we deal with young women who were raped, victims of incest, impregnated by their boyfriends, now fearing their future? Naturally, of course. How do you offer the love of Christ to them? How are the churches preparing for this influx of people now searching for an answer? Winning in a legal battle is one thing. What we do next as a church is our duty. How can we show them the perfected love of God in us? How do we show them that there is a perfect love of Christ to those people who were victims of this? Or those people who just wanted an abortion? Or just belonging to the other spectrum or to the other side of the coin? How do we show them the love of Christ? How do we show them grace? I particularly love this very poignant scene. If you've watched this, um, uh, Les Miserables. I like this particularly because of its theological content. There's a very poignant scene there. It was uh, shown here. And there's a movie and there's a, 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 the, a theatrical uh, a version of this. Uh, I particularly love both. One poignant scene in Les Miserables is exemplified in this. You know, uh, Jean Valjean uh, was a prisoner. He was arrested and jailed because he stole a loaf of bread and he was given a parole. But the parole is very difficult to uh, comply with. It's very burdensome to him. So he found himself one day, one night, very hungry, and uh, almost without direction in life. He went to a church, and he was met by a bishop. And the bishop fed him and gave him a bed for the night. 
But he was very desperate. Jean Valjean was very desperate. So he looted the silverware in the church and uh, he went off through the back door, through the garden, and then he went off. And he was caught by the police. And the police turned him in again to the church to confirm to the bishop whether the silverware that John Valjean is carrying are from the church. And the bishop could have answered, yes, we fed this ungrateful guy last night, and then he looted from the church, sent him to jail, and let him not see the, day, the, the light of day anymore. Bring him back to jail. That ungrateful, in our language, ingrato yan. Ibalik nyo sa kulungan yan. He will be thrown to jail if the bishop will report him. And perhaps there he will rot. But in a very interesting twist, as you know in the story, the bishop said to the policeman, yes, I gave it to him. In fact, the bishop said, he forgot two things. These two large candlesticks, silver candlesticks. And when, very poignant scene, when he, the bishop handed the candlesticks to Jean Valjean, he said this, these candlesticks, let it represent to a changed life. Let this change your life. He said to him, next time, very beautifully, he said to Jean Valjean, as he would go, next time, don't go off through the back door through the garden. The front door of this church is always open and it's just kept with a latch. It's open day and night. Come through the front door next time. And so with these wonderful words, with the grace that was shown to Jean Valjean, he was changed. He said this in his soliloquy. Yet why did I allow that man to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life, he claims, for God above, can such things be? For I had come to hate the world, this world that always hated me. One word from him and I'd be back beneath the lash upon the rock. Instead, he offers me freedom. I feel my shame inside me like a knife. He told me that I have a soul. How does he know? What spirit comes to move my life? Is there another way to go? What met John Valjean is the grace of God, the perfected love of God in the life of that bishop shown in that man whom he's supposed to retaliate. John Valjean looted him. But instead of retaliating evil, he repaid that with goodness and that grace of God in the life of that bishop shared with John Valjean changed him. So no loss will ever change that man. We are called to show that love to someone. And no wonder, as you would know, in the ending of the movie, if you will watch it, there's a very beautiful scene when John Valjean would have, will now be is dying. The uh, epilogue of the movie, he saw again, as he's about to die, he saw again the picture of the bishop welcoming him. 
is entering again the church. And you would notice almost in the front door. And they said this, to love another person is to see the face of God. The only face that this world will see is us. We can rejoice over this loss. We can rejoice over these things if we have not given them love, if we have not shown them love. That's nothing. That's empty platitude to them. I was sharing with the uh, Next Gen last Friday and we were talking about the love of God. And I've said this to them. And I will say this unapologet unapologetically. I will, say, I will say this. This is my observation. If any one of you here got into trouble, you were into a terrible sin. You made a very big, big mistake. And the least person that you want to run into, the least person that you think that you want to go to is the church, your pastor, your leader, or your church members. We failed as a church. If the least person you want to go to when you went into sin, when you made a terrible mistake, is the church. We failed as a church. But if the very first person, when you make a mistake, when you fall down, when you make a terrible, difficult problem, the first person that you think is my pastor, my leader, my church, then we become a church. That's the only way. God is calling us to love, not an empty statement. Let's cut the chase. We could just say that. I love you. I love you. How do you show that? Many people here, young people of us, struggling with mental health. How do we show to these young people? We love them. Kailan? Kailan? Kailan natin ito gagawin, mga kapatid? You cannot just sit there and say, you love God. You cannot. You have to act out now. There's no time. If we love others, the first person that they will think is us. Hahanapin nila tayo. But if they will not chase us, if the first, the first thing that they come into their minds when they make sin is that I will run away from the church, we fail as a church. Because we are called to this, my dear brothers, we are called to show them the way of God. It's the spirit of life that will teach us the way of God. As disciples of Jesus Christ, how do we show the people of God, those struggling with sin, those struggling with very difficult problems, how do we show them the love of Christ? How do we become a bishop to a Jean Valjean? As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to love. Our confession should correspond our knowledge of God. Now do we know, do we know God? We love. And that our belief should correspond to our knowledge. And that knowledge is the way of love. In verse 17 and 19, love dispels all fear. Because fear will deal with punishment. That's what I was saying. It shows assurance that people will be welcomed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Many people here come to us or we have known have fallen. 
it's easy to point out that they are wrong. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, it's easy to tell someone that they are wrong. Right? Andaling sabihin, you are wrong. Three words, you're out. But this is my challenge to you. Challenge to all the leaders in this church. Challenge to all of you who profess that you love God. More than showing to someone that they are wrong, show them the way of righteousness. I will teach you, I will journey with you the way of God. That's more difficult. Ang daling sabihin, mali ka eh. criticize kita. Mali ka na naman. Ganyan out. Criticize here and there. It's easy. I can do that. You can do that. But this is the challenge. How do we show to the people, anak, you're wrong. This is the way of God. Come, let's come together. Look at how Jesus did it. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. Sabi niya kay Levi, come, follow me. Jesus did not just condemn them. They showed them the way to the cross, the way to obedience, the way to holiness. That is the call. It's easy to point out to people that they are wrong. But we have never shown anyone, I myself included, we have not shown anyone how to live for Jesus. How to disciple someone. Have you radically invested your life to someone? Really invested your life to someone? Really? Kami ni Pastor sabi ko, alam mo, I need to confess. I think I have not done it. Have we really invested our life to someone, radically loved that someone, despite the imperfection of that someone, despite of the difficulty of that someone, you would like to journey with that someone in faith, in love, in hope, and point them to the knowledge, to the love of Jesus Christ, to be a bishop to a Val John Valjean. Because in that way, we show the perfect love of God. To love others is a sign that we love God. Mga kapatid, aminin natin to, it's easy to point out mistakes. Ako magaling din ako doon eh. But when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell them that this is you, you are sinful, we should also be ready with a great harvest. That when people are shown that they are sinful, they will be shown to the lavish grace of Jesus. The way to win people is not through our words, through our actions. But the problem is this, we have unwanted harvest. We don't want people that don't belong to us. Kaya nga, challenge ko sa inyo, sabi natin, I agree tayo, hindi tayo agree sa mga same-sex dyan. Of course we do. I will be joining, in fact, the, uh, the, the rally uh, to protect the sanctity and dignity of marriage. I am for it. I am for it through and through. Kaya nga, challenge ko sa inyo, tapatan. Meron ditong pumunta, naka-flamboyan, para siyang peacock, papasok dito, uupo siya. Would you welcome that person say, you're welcome here. Come here. Come here anyway. And let have a taste of the tincture of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus. Let the balm of Gilead heal you and see the wondrous beauty of Jesus. To see your identity, not in yourself, but in Jesus. 
how are we going to welcome these people? How are we going to, if we've known that someone here is a pedophilia, struggling with pornography, struggling with wife beating, how do we journey with that people to say, you are wrong, you are loved, and we will journey with you along the way. That should be the place of the church because we're, loved, we're called to love one another. Ano sasabihin lang namin to linggo-linggo? Love one another, love one another. And I will end here. This was shared uh, by Pastor Well, and uh, we've discovered this, and this was actually changed. Uh, this is the welcoming page of the uh, 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia by James Montgomery Boyce. And it was adopted and changed by the uh, Na Emmanuel Nashville Church in the U.S. I like this, and I, uh, this just shows uh, how beautiful it is. This is the welcoming page of the church. To all of you who are weary and needed rest. To all of you who mourn and long for comfort. To all of you who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all of you who fail and desire strength. To all of you who sin and need a savior. To all of you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And to whoever else will come, no matter how sinful you are, this church welcomes you with open doors from Jesus, the friend of sinners. How that, how are these words true to us? How are these words true to us? I challenge you now how these words are true to us. That we would welcome everyone because we are also sinners who be, were befriended by Jesus. We also receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Let us love one another and let those words not just be words but by actions. I challenge you to love others and love God radically. That's what we are called to do. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have led us to this truth that you are calling us to test every spirit, to test them, Lord God, whether they are from you, whether they're declaring that you are their God, you are from God. And Lord, may we also discern every action that we do, whether it is the way of love. And Lord, whether we are showing others the way of the cross, the way of Jesus Christ, because you have loved radically. You have shown this love powerfully in us. Father, I pray that this church will be like a bishop to every John Viljan out there. I pray, Father, that this love for you will not just be empty statements that we always say in this church, that we will truly welcome people, journey with them, not just pointing out to them that they are wrong, but showing them that this is the way to go and I will be with you along the way. No matter how difficult, how painful that will be, we will be there for you. And this will not just be empty words. This will be truth. There's a lot of people needing your grace, needing your love. Father, relative, friends, may they find, Lord, what we have found. 
you our Jesus, a friend to sinner. You are our friend that you've even changed us. And so, Father, today I pray, empower your people today to love radically, to love beautifully. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. May the love of God, the Father Almighty, the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and His peace, the fellowship, and comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you all until He comes. And we, His people, join God in all eternity in the day of Christ's appearing. Go well, my dear brothers and sisters, in the love that you have been taught, and show them the grace you have received in the name of our holy triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God will respond with amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, dear brothers and sisters. Go well and love God and love the people of God. Thank you, and God bless you. And for those of you who join us online, welcome and join us again next time.